You ready? Yeah, we're on. <laughs> this week on Chatty Crafties. Angelica Norton, landscape designer, mother of two and binge crafter. Versus Amber Moreno, career reverse personal organizer, mother of one and serial procrastinator. Will one outcraft the other? Will questions and answers clash in a heated discussion while the AC remains off to minimize background noise? Will it all end up on the cutting room floor? We're pitting host against producer this week for a very special episode. Stay with us. Hi, Amber. Hey, Angelica. <laughs> Thanks for sitting behind the mic this week on Chatty Crafties, a weekly podcast where I celebrate my creative friends to inspire and get inspired by everyday art. Um, this week, we decided to kind of mix it up so that our listeners could get to know their host and producer. So yeah, welcome. It's going to be a mess. We got papers everywhere. We got scissors on this table. We got a xylophone out here. It's, it's going to get rowdy. <laughs> We've got a speed round in this wooden bowl. Mixing it up. We love it. Um, we've been pals since high school theater. And you kindly jumped on board as my producer when I wanted to start this podcast nine episodes ago. Are we on oh, episode sure. nine? Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, so what are your creative endeavors? Um, well, you know me. I'm just... Um I'm just a stack of stuff. Um, I, I think I used to say when someone asked me that question, I said, yeah, I'm an actor. And at heart, that's still true. But I think um, that encompasses a lot of things that I don't that I don't imagine land when I answer that question, which is to say like, oh, I'm a falsely polite often. And by virtue of being an actor, nobody knows. That's my real answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, um, I write and I... I bleakly play the ukulele and <laughs> sing jazz on occasion. And um, I do some handwriting. I do some... Uh, yes. Sometimes you, I, I will just pop up and, and hand pen all of your wedding invitations. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Which was very kind It's of really you. fun. And um, otherwise, I think... Well, we'll get into it later, but I'm a bricoleur which is short for um, one who engages or or practices bricolage. And we'll talk about bricolage because it's great. You're all oh, doing it already. I am very So that's the word of the day about bricolage. That. Yeah, last week is palimpsest. <laughs> this week it's bricolage. Do you also have some creative endeavors in your life? Yeah, yeah. I kind of just dive into things and stay in that world for like three days and resurface um so I will like decide to learn to crochet and I'll make like 15 scarves for Christmas or um I will have a bunch of clothes that I got from a thrift store that don't fit really well so I will get a dress form and just alter all of them and I go through like sewing binges or um I cross-stitched the the chatty crafties logo i crocheted our christmas stockings and they're really sad and droopy but <laughs> full of love and <laughs> presents <laughs> um i used to paint i used to write poetry um i feel like that's its more. own question what did you used to do yeah okay fair enough but no i think if that's still in your dna I you didn't like have it, it surgically hovers. removed, right? 
Right. I, I feel like something will pop out where I'll need to spend like a week and a half doing that. Oh, I, I write still. I have like 50,000 words of a novel that paused. <laughs> What, I mean, did you get busy or did you have kids? <laughs> like, what, why are you pausing? What are you putting stuff down for? Um, well, I went through my old journals to get aspects of um, relationships that I, I wanted to write about um, without directly referring to those people. Because uh, I just would hate it if someone did that about me. So Barf. this is, yeah, this is like, you know, my relationship when I was 15. How did my brain work then? My relationship when I was 18. What was I up to? So I've, um, I kind of tapped into my journals then and I wrote about it and then I got to present day and there are all these issues that I haven't resolved from those relationships. So basically I paused so I could go to therapy and mm, <laughs> pick your and figure out how to unpack it and yeah. how, how to access and utilize those what those is act gems. three is based on therapy. Oh so good. Mm. I gotta say I went to the therapist today and oh, I yeah. worked out some stuff. <gasps> I haven't been in two weeks. I kinda I got busy oh, with you other... guys listeners, you gotta go to therapy. Yeah. It's just maintenance guys. Yeah. You just gotta clean that thing up. I mean it's like going to the esthetician, which yeah, it's like manscaping. It's like ladyscaping. Everybody yeah. needs it. You got to mow your lawn. That's what I did this weekend. It took like eighteen hours. <laughs> so I have a question. Yeah, um, you have you have talents. How do you know when you're talented? Hmm. I think my mom implanted in my brain really early with how she explains her art. So she's an artist. She was an art teacher for my entire memory of her. And um, she retired probably five years ago. But when she was really young, her mom, my granny, would tell her like, well, you're an artist. You're fantastic at this. So when she explains her work, there's just full confidence when she explains it. So I feel like that seed was planted in my brain somewhere where like, if you feel good about it, if you like doing it, if you like the outcome, if it makes you happy to give whatever you've made to someone else, I feel like that's talent. There's some talented nugget in there. Some like bean sprout has come out from whatever you've nurtured. Um, I feel like not necessarily from um, it being in like some latent talent. I had to like work on things. So hence the binging on like learning how to do stuff. So, I, you know, it's not something that I'm just natural at, but I'll just like focus on something like crazy and then feel good about the outcome. I'm like, well, now I'm good at that. I you can certify that. yourself. You yeah. come out with a certification three days later. And yeah. Think? On my resume now. Yeah. Cool. Um, what about you? Um, I don't know um, if I was ever delivered. Well, I know I was. I was reinforced as a kid, and I was told, like, yeah, yeah, you're great. You, you get Here, take this. You're Mrs. Claus. You don't have to be a reindeer, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, me? More lines? Yes. Yeah, this is, this is legit. I was Mrs. Claus back in fourth <laughs> grade. You guys can check it out. It's on YouTube. 
It's called The North Pole Goes Rock and Roll. And somebody just posted it in the last few years for my elementary school. Holy smokes. So, you know, look that up if you want. So that was on a VHS that they digitized. Oh, it's a wreck. And And I watched it and I I was starting to die, so I stopped. (laughs) It was was pretty amazing because I I remember walking away from that production feeling smug and just feeling so confident. And I watched it the other day. I'm like... Oh, you go, girl. <laughs> you just keep keep building yourself up. Yeah. Well, isn't it so good that we don't have that self-awareness or um, it probably isn't self-awareness. It's that insecurity that comes from like, oh, am, am I good? Maybe I'm. Yeah. I know. think, you, I mean, if you feel it's like, how do you know if you've met the one? You just I think you just know. Mm-hmm. You just feel it and you, you're not you're not doubting. Right. You know, you're doing other things with that time. Yeah, and it's okay to feel good about being good at something. Like, yeah. why do we have to doubt that we aren't the very best dancer or the very best singer or the very best whatever? Like, why and can't we I enjoy that? I think that's that? its own question. Like, how do you know if you're the very best? Yeah, no you kidding. You don't. You don't. And I, you know, I was thinking about it today, how, how I would answer that question. It's like, how do you know when you're good? And you really don't. But, you know, how do you want to feel if yeah. you want to feel like you're good? So maybe that's an option some of us just take. Yeah. And I feel like some people that we've interviewed, you said that you allow each of our guests say one word of self-deprecation and then you cut the rest of them out. Yeah. And it's pretty, it's pretty often that you hear people just say, yeah, I'm I'm mediocre at this. And that's okay to say that you're mediocre. Mm -hmm. But I, I think, you know, when you go back and you listen to the, to your episode that that you appeared on, hopefully you're not listening to yourself say, yeah, I'm kind of shitty at this. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, I do this other thing, but I'm also kind of shitty at that. And I think, you know, just positive reinforcement, I think, is better. So even if you didn't say it that way, when you listen to it, you can be brainwashed into thinking that you're not mediocre to the power of three. I think some of what comes from feeling like you're talented is... Um, what you get from it emotionally, because, you know, you, a lot of people have been answering that question that they feel energized and like pumped up and recharged. It's not that they feel depleted afterwards. So they're doing something that is like slightly scary, probably, especially in the performance aspects. And, um, afterwards they just, you know, they did it. And there's something amazing about that. And, um, what do you get out of performing emotionally? I think uh, in the moment, I just feel like um, it, it's not quite like this because this is not what I do. I feel like I go out, I take my top off, the audience <laughs> screams, the crowd is cheering me on. They're so A, proud of me for doing what I did, B, proud of me for, <laughs> for my great tits or something. <laughs> and then see it's like ha I did this daring thing I'm gonna walk off the stage and yeah I never have to do it again or I never have to turn around um I don't have to stay for the applause I get to just like I need to I get to go out without hearing the applause die you know I just get to get in that zone and like try to harness it and hold on to it for as long as I can right that way after my my top is back on yeah like you take a snapshot of that surge of adrenaline yeah I'm super scared of just going blank on stage and so telling a story that I know how it ends like and testify like you can't go that blank because you know what happened to you so you can just keep telling the story um 
but one of my first experiences being in um, in improv in like seventh or eighth grade. Um, so I had to memorize a monologue oh, and I had sorry. to like mime something. I'm sorry. It was real terrible. I can't say that my theater teacher was that great. She really focused on some of the kids in class that, you know, probably were a little bit more natural at acting and, but I, I enjoyed it, you know? Um, and so I was on stage and completely blanked out, just done. And, um, I was like, can I start over? And they're like, ooh, like I could see the cringe. Like, you don't know the rules. You pretend like that didn't happen. Um, and so I think I have this little wavering fear, like, is that going to happen again? Am I going to be mortified on yeah. stage in front of my bullies and in front of the drama teacher that didn't support me? Can. And It always can. The worst possible scenario has already happened. So it can't possibly happen again. I can't be in seventh grade again and feel mortified. I'm just going to slow clap that one in. <laughs> Seventh grade was tough. Yes. Well, there were many grades. <laughs> Those were the difficult years. Yeah. Wow. But I do like performing. I don't um, do it as much as you do. And so I'm kind of well, thrilled yeah, to see you do it. You keep showing up to work and keep turning out designs and talking to clients. So yeah, you're performing often. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the, the spiel nailed down and just kind of inadvertently, like I have just memorized the things that I need to say to people to explain our process and like go through the three rounds of design and this is what you can expect and blah, 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 blah. And so it's always a very, it's a conversation I feel good about afterwards where I was like, damn, I nailed that call. <sighs> These people feel really comfortable with us. We're going to go out on a consultation now. And uh, Matt feels, like, depleted when we go on consultations. But for some reason, I'm like, I impressed this stranger. So I feel great about myself. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you have some room to be creative in that? Like, you have the um, the customer-facing mm -hmm. social side of your business. Yeah. And I mean, if you've really got it memorized, do you feel like you're you're flexing here or there and just like Yeah. I mean, I know you get to be really friendly with your clients, but you have a limit of how friendly you'll sure. get. Sure. I feel like there's an art to that where like you can trust us but feel really comfortable because like we're just people that enjoy doing this. And so there's this Well that's painting an image. The fact that you really enjoy it, like that's hard to I mean, I think for many artists it's hard for them to to really communicate that they enjoy what they're doing. A lot of people are miserable and this is just sure. a byproduct. When you're commissioned to do a piece, I imagine that like you you may start to steer away from your original proposal and yeah. suggestion. And like just the whole reason that you got excited about the project in the in the first place. I, I don't think for me it's not really different from, you know, sitting down to finish some blanket. Which takes forever. Yes. Especially if someone's given up on the process, on the project and handed it off to you. And you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, look at that. It looks so easy. And then you sit down to do it and you're like, oh, actually, this is many hours. Yes. Why did I promise this? Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, like maybe it's for a really good reason that you're doing it. But you're just like, damn it. I've done this to myself again. Uh -huh. This isn't creative to me anymore. Like this is just labor. Well, I think that's what happens 
oftentimes when you monetize something that is creative, so you're monetizing it in labor hours in that instance. But yeah. if it's a job, so like landscape architecture, this was something that I went to grad school for. And I was like, yes, I'm flexing this artistic muscle. This is something I can feel intuitively. And once someone is paying me money to design and then manage their build, there's a lot of expectations that are just, you know, you can just only hope for the best that you are setting them and then fulfilling them. And yeah, it, it changes something like blogging for money. Like it was something that we enjoyed and then it became, you know, those blogs became work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not for you anymore. They're not just a journal. Yeah. Yeah, you do You do want to have, like, a, a fine customer-facing face. Yeah. <laughs> it just looks well done. It's pleasant. You want it to look like Squarespace and not yeah. blogger. <laughs> yeah. Blog spot. Yeah. Which is what my blog is on, if anyone's interested. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens to you when a project doesn't translate from your head to the canvas. Are you speaking about landscape architecture or whatever your canvas is? Um, when I paint something, back when I painted, <laughs> when I write writing, I just dive in and see where it goes. So I don't have expectations for it. Um, if I'm sewing something, I'm like, well, this was cheap. So if I mess it up, it's not that big of a deal. I can always. uh, rip the stitch and, you know, get it back to where I want. I'll try again. Um, Same with painting. You can cover up paint. And so I think I just keep nudging at whatever the image was until I get to the end where I'm like, this is either tolerable. (laughs) You know, there's got to be a level of human imperfection that I have to accept in everything I'm doing where like a seam won't line up completely or the baby blanket that I made for Noble Um, I think even in the explanation to you and Billy, I was like, oh, these, you know, when I was stitching um, the quilting lines, this part got overlapped and uh, sorry, but I tried my best. (laughs) And so I think that I I try and explain away the imperfections and I have to just convince myself that everything is going to have an imperfection in it. And we are humans and that is okay. I know that you make baby blankets. But when I when I got it mine, I was still like surprised that I got one. I'm like, you made this for me. <laughs> it's so fine and it's so cute and the the fabric is so thoughtfully picked out. Yeah. And I, like I thought it was beautiful. And I looked at that. And I'm like, I am never gonna make one of these. <laughs> I will never make one of these for anyone. Um, just because it, I know that I look at it and I can tell. I can see the hours in it. Yeah. And we've talked about that before on the podcast. And I think it's so true that you can look at a pros- a project and see like. Wow, that was probably painstaking for somebody. I don't think everyone sees that, though. I think that people that are tuned in and maybe have done it or tried it or whatever, they'll say, oh, you you spent a lot of time on that for me. You spent those hours stitching for me. And it's like, yes, you get it. But there are some people that you hand them a blanket and they're like, okay, cool. Thanks. I'm like, no, no, I don't think you understand. We need to take a moment to acknowledge. I acknowledge my gift. Yeah, what has transpired. It is the sum of many gifts. <laughs> I could have just bought something for you and then you would give it away to someone after your child yeah. has outgrown it. But no, no, no. 
this is something I'm making you keep forever. And yeah, like I didn't sign my name on it, but you know it was for me and you're going to tell your friends that I made it. Like my name is going to live on. There is a gesture There's a legend at work here. pretty much. Please spread my legend around (laughs) so people know how wonderful I am without me having to tell them myself. That's what it gets down to. I mean, we're joking, but it is really as honest as we're going to get about it. It feels really good to have someone unwrap something you've made. So is being creative a part of your identity? I think it is. It was something that I didn't necessarily set aside as an adjective for my name, but sitting down with Genevieve, gosh, I guess before we started this podcast and she was episode one, um, and we were talking about therapists, she was like, you need to go to an art therapist. And I was like, that sounds weird. I don't know what that is. Why are you telling me that? I know you are one (laughs) (laughs) and you see one. Um, I decided to try an art therapist and she has, um, after like two or three months reaffirmed, she tells me this all the time. Well, you're creative. So you think this way. And I was like, well, I do think that way. Am I creative? And so it wasn't like self doubt necessarily. It was more something that I just assumed was a given and that people just think this way. And that I want to pull out of people. Like, it's not necessarily something special and precious to me. It just is, you know, it's uh, a thread running through my brain. Of course you're creative. What, you can't sit down and doodle and, like, then look at the doodle and think, like, "Mm, I'm going to save that. You know, like, I have friends who can doodle. Yeah. I look at their doodles like... Oh, I wish I could doodle like that. <laughs> and, you know, just have abstract shapes pouring out of my brain. Uh-huh. For what reason, I couldn't think of right. one. But, I mean, you know, just being able to draw is a huge thing. And people associate being able to draw with being creative and being able to actualize what's in their head out on paper. Yeah. Specifically or with visual art. Visual art. is a, 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 That's what art is. Right. That's kind of the one that's got the stamp. Mm-hmm. That's been approved. Yeah. I don't know why... Saying that you're creative is, you know, like, I don't know, looked down upon. Why why does it have a stigma from some people? Is it because they say they aren't creative and so there is some sort of residue when they hear someone else say they are? Or is it self-imposed where someone is, well, I don't want to say that I'm creative. It just honestly wasn't part of my vocabulary, but now I am happy to wear it as a brooch on my sweater. <laughs> yes, okay, fine. A beautiful sparkly brooch that yeah. I polished with uh, toothpaste because I uh, <laughs> can hack anything. Yeah. I can uh, DI my, I do it myself. I do, do it myself. Do you feel like you're creative? Um, yeah, I think that's in my identity. I think it's, um, I think similarly, I wouldn't call myself an artist, uh-huh. but I, you know, if I look at the definitions, I don't really see the difference. So yeah, I would yeah. say... I will modestly agree. Yes, I think I have some creative leanings. See the modesty part. Mm-hmm. I guess know? that's. I mean, it's not like saying yes, I'm beautiful or sure. yes, I'm very popular among my friends. Right. You know, like you don't want to hard brag, but I, yeah, I, don't, I don't think know. it's the same thing as saying I'm very talented at yeah. this. <laughs> I'm really, really good at making blankets. It's the urge to make the blanket. It's the urge to paint the picture. I need a job that lets me be myself. You know, yeah. that seems like, oh, then you need to create your own space. I I guess you're creative. 
<laughs> just take it. Take it. Shove it. Do you know that um, Ryan Gilbert and I were voted most creative? In, that was our superlatives senior year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, I believe it. I'm pretty sure I campaigned very hard in the class that it was like English... It, uh, oh, you sold yourself as most creative? Uh, you run a campaign? I was like, oh, most creative, huh? Yeah, I'll put my name down for that. Oh, okay. You want to vote for me? And then <laughs> somehow I won, and I was like, I, I only said that in one class. Maybe I was just very audible to people who also encouraged other people. I had good friends. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you were just being yourself, and people just know it about you. I, mean, I think when I met you... I didn't really get to know you until well after high school. And I think I remember just, you know, walking into your house and like there was food cooking and, you know. Not by me. Not by you. <laughs> and, you know, like that the house just had a look and there were plants everywhere. And it, it was very inviting to me. And then I realized like, oh, some of these paintings are yours. And then, you know, we'd have an art party and you'd, I'd just show up yeah. and there'd be a canvas out. Aww. And it was just like part of. I miss those parties. It was amazing. It was amazing. It really inspired me, and it made me think, like, oh, man, my life is really sterile. No way! And I looked, I, I think I was in college, you know, and I had, you know, posters on the wall, and mm -hmm. I, I had, you know, like, I was into posters. That was my mode of expression. But I had them arranged in such a way that, yes. that helped me, you know, express my creative urges. Yeah. See, I always thought that you just rounded right in with it because we would go to your dorm room and make valentines. Well, I definitely and, needed it. Yeah. And so I go where um where I'm called. Yes, you where the called art to is. me. You called to me with yeah. your with and your I house think... and your back porch haircuts. Oh yeah. Oh, your hairdos. I never had a hair don't by you. <laughs> They're all pretty good. <laughs> there was one where I was really into ha like having real short bangs and long bangs at the same time. So like for our listeners, I'm not talking about long on top, short underneath. I'm talking about half of my forehead was really, really short and the other half went down like to my eyelid. So East there meets west. Yeah. There was some was weird, serious. weird haircuts going on. Um you are down with a mixtape. Mm -hmm. You really get into assembling a playlist either for a season or a person or just some vibe, some feeling that's going on. Is it something that you give out with the, is it something that you make with the intention of giving out or is it something that just bubbles out of you and you've got to, you know, put it on <laughs> CD or whatever and then give to people? How does that work? Well, I've, um, I've left the world of plastic compact discs. Yeah. Um, they just don't seem to fit in with my circle of friends. I They're just, they look at me like, sorry. What and is then this thing? it's like the returning the gift, you know, so, okay. So, um, <laughs> I'd say that, um, my process is half for myself because I'll hear a song and I'll say, whoa, I got to have this um, mm -hmm. next time I'm feeling blank. And then occasionally I'll find one that I'll notice as it's being, um, as it's adding up that it's got use and merit and I bet other people would like it. And then I start thinking about my friends. I'm like, oh wait, there's a song for them. And so sometimes I'll make a, a playlist and it's for 10 different people. And right. you know, each person gets a song on there or more. And then other people I'm like, oh man, they're moving. 
Oh man, they're having a baby. Oh, I got something for them. Is there a song you're jamming right now so um, hard? A song. Yeah, well, yeah, it's almost on its way out, but Angel Olsen, it's called Waiting. Oh. And I don't know the album name. <laughs> but it's, yeah, that's what's on my mind. And also there's a, a, I guess it's a dude, it's a dude, and he goes by Temperex. Uh-huh. And it's just real, I hate to say it, it's easy listening. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes me feel so easy. So smooth. So I hope you all enjoy it. Please go check him out. Temperex. Yeah. Temperex. Um, we put out a call, a question of the week to mm-hmm. our listeners on Twitter and Instagram, what song they are inspired by right now to get creative. And we got some good answers in what our friend and collage artist Mortimer X said that she has a playlist it's called Music to Create To. And I hadn't thought of setting this up. I have a playlist called Ho Hey, and it's mostly like Lumineers and Avett Brothers and Mumford and Sons. And so I'll, I'll jam that. But um, a specifically crafted playlist to put on while making things sounds like a really good idea. So thanks, Mortimer X, for replying to that. Um, so I, too, have a little ditty to add. Um, last night, our friends Sean and Yasmin came over, and they just sat us down, and they're like, you need to listen to Janelle Monae's Pink and what was the other one? Make Me Feel. Yes. Yeah. And the videos. Oh, you hadn't seen them yet? No. Oh, I have not. I it was oh, so I feel terrible. That's on me. You, well, That's my I, fault. I, I should have given you that by now. Both of them and you, you know that I love... Feminist. That Prince vibe, too, Prince is so danceable. strong. It's very danceable. Oh, God. I loved it. So wow. you guys need to listen to that as well. I got to tag on, too, because I only found this gal, like, maybe in the last year. Um, so she was popular in the 50s and then um, vanished in the 70s when she had worked as hard as she was going to work on making her music sell, she gave up and then just vanished. And we don't know if she died or literally just vanished. So mysterious. So her name is Connie Converse. Her family has rooted out all of her music and has put it on one album. It's called How Sad, How Lonely. (gasps) And it's singer-songwriter stuff that, that makes you feel like you're listening to Joni Mitchell's Blue. And it was just pieces of stuff that wasn't ready to be, you know, sold by any means. And they're really quite good. And they're so beautiful. And I'm like, man, when I listen to this, I just want to drop everything and memorize the whole album so I can just sit with it and sing along and just go about my life. Yeah. So I don't know that that's truly creative music, but it definitely is a nice way to put my brain on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's great about some music. And if some music. Yeah. For sure. Um, should we do speed round? Do you think? Um, let's see. Do you have a question? I have more questions, but I have um, more questions. The hell with it. Let's do a speed round. <laughs> okay. Okay. When you hear that sound, you're gonna know it's the speed round. We're going to do a round very fast. So this means we have a bowl, and it's got twelve questions in it that Amber and I. Just basically want a one word or one sentence answer from Oof. each other. Oof, it's gonna be tough. Because we have very verbose answers all the time. Okay. Just a little something different. So we're not gonna time this. I'm just gonna start this beautiful metronome over here. 
and yeah. we'll do our best. Would you like to do the honors? Of the first? Yeah, here yeah, we yeah. go. Here we go. Speed round. Here okay. we go. I'm so nervous. <laughs> I'm going to blow it. What makes you feel really talented? Oh, this sounds so slutty. Applause. <laughs> I love it. You? Um... Blankets. Oh. <laughs> so cozy. Okay, what have you done and loved, but don't do any more? Uh, poetry. Oh, it was so angsty and good. Tell me yours. Blog. I really liked oh. blogging, but no, I'm not blogging anymore. Yeah. Next. Womp womp. What is your biggest dream? To build a house. To build oh. a house, I like if I could, I would. Yes, I would like to build a house. Next, what would you do? What's your biggest dream? Uh, I want to say build a house too. <laughs> Is there an app that helps you get art done? Uh, you know, I got this from you. One second every day. Oh, such a good app, girl. What are you straight up bad at? Cooking. Oh yeah, you're bad at that. real, real terrible at it. Um. Watching theater. I'm real bad at watching theater. Oh, sure. Super bad audience member. What's your go-to craft right now? Mmm. Yes. My go-to yes. craft is going to the dollar store and getting some decals, some removable decals, and putting them on windows and doors and mirrors, because that's something Noble and I can do together. Oh, yeah. Who, you know. That's a good one. She puts most things in her mouth. Still. <laughs> Um, mine is altering clothing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I'm frugal and probably cheap and a hoarder. And so I have a bag under there of clothes and scraps and things I'm going to eventually do something with. What if we had everybody bring their, like, most shameful bag of hoarded stuff from their closets? (gasps) It's a really good idea. Do you have any hacks or tips for our listeners? Tips and tricks. Tips and tricks. Um, I liked Randy's about making um, ki- sewing on doll clothes, like allowing kids to sew on doll clothes because they're not precious. And if they mess it up, no big deal. Um, for me, I would say tips and tricks. Use a dress form if you're going to alter clothes. <laughs> what about you? Okay, if you're if you're going to hang a whole bunch of stuff up on your wall, um, use some push pins. Don't be afraid of push pins. Mm. They're so strong. <laughs> they can hold you. They can hold your precious frames and they can keep it up. Ooh, what's your worst habit? Good one. My worst habit is mindlessly eating everything on my plate. Huh. And not savoring my food. Uh, what's your worst habit? In my own yard, just planting things impulsively instead of using a, a landscape plan. <laughs> like actually designing things like I would for other people. I just Im- impulsively put things in. It's disgusting. That's how this deck is of different height than the other deck. <laughs> it's just horrible. I'm so embarrassed for you. <laughs> And that concludes our speed round. Thanks for staying with us. Yeah. That wasn't too speedy. No. So I hope everybody's tummy feels good. Our medium round. What would you like to be when you grow up? 
Um, I want to say landscape architect because that would mean that I'm actually <laughs> you're on the license. track. Yeah, like if I could get licensed, I started my company without working under someone for very long. It's got to be two years. I worked under someone for eleven months. Oh, thirteen months. Apologies. And uh, now, how am I going to get licensed? So I would love to feel properly grown up. But that would mean hiring someone who arguably has less experience than me just because they're licensed so that I can get my own license. Wow. Yeah. It's a hurdle. Ouch. That shadows me. Oh. What do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, um, you know, I'm still still gathering marketable skills, but I think... (laughs) If I were going to grow up, I would want to be like a mason or a carpenter or a bricklayer, something that I could not, you know, show up at a job for day after day, but feel like, oh my gosh, if I wanted to fulfill my dream of building a house or of building anything or shaping something, I could do it because I've got all these skills and I'm not just dabbling uh-huh. in this or that thing. You could come work for us. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Even though you already have... I have before, yeah. But, yeah, not really with my hands. Yeah. It is not fun to be in that heat. No, no. That's not That's not my dream. No. When I grow up, I'm going to live in the mountains, and there's only going to be lumberjacks around just yeah. teaching me things and just totally. being nice to me. <laughs> that's my dream. <laughs> I like the being nice to you part. It's so lovely. Oh, you love editing. When you blog or when you cut down these recordings from 75 minutes to 45 minutes, do you get a kind of satisfaction out of that? You know, when I sit down and I am looking at a, an episode that's been recorded, like I'm dreadfully gloomy. And then I work on it for about four hours. And at the end, I'm like, mm, mm. I'm just an auteur. Mm-hmm. So I just put that, I just snipped that up and I stitched it back together. I did some surgery. I did a little writing. I put a little flourish on it. So yeah, I do. I feel good after it's done, especially when it's done. I feel good. And I, I'm kind of proud of it. I don't know if the levels are great because honestly, like. What do we know about We do not Ableton have a full-time live. sound engineer and we're really shit about it. <laughs> and Matt tries his very, very best He's to so make sense of what we are doing He's to it. He's so patient. I'm like, why is this off? And he was like, well, there's, there's this button that you pressed. I'm like, oh, <laughs> do I keep doing that every time? Yes. Yes, you do it every time. Stop pressing the button. Oh. So is it like organizing chaos? Um, I think that, that just the feeling of, yeah, I think putting things in order is, is very satisfying for me. On a human level and also uh-huh. um, artistically, I feel like, oh, yeah, that's I put that where it was meant to go and no one else did. And, yeah. And that's and I slapped my name on it and that feels good. With your calligraphy writing. Yeah. 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 My calligraphy is terrible. I've never tried to actually do calligraphy, but when I look at a calligraphy book, I'm like, this is very rigid. Do you watch those videos where they you see someone on like Facebook and they have a video of someone... Using fancy pens. With beautiful ink pens. Yes. And you see the ink start to flow. I think I probably should because I'm always looking for visual porn. And usually when I look at those videos of dudes like just um, illustrating while someone's talking on a whiteboard and like. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that's good. That's real good. That just scratches something in my brain. 
Have you noticed that someone says scratching an itch in every single one of our episodes? Oh, Are we no. just itchy artists? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's our whole it's an production. It's an is, instinct. It's riddled with scratching and itching. Oh, I've got one for you. You're very fashionable and adventurous with your clothing and your hair. Wow. Do you know that I covet these things about you? Thanks. That's really nice. Getting dressed is really difficult for me. Because you got to find the right thing. Yeah, I got to I got to match the mood and I've got to mm-hmm. match the weather and then it has to be in some way practical and god if it doesn't have pockets my day's ruined. Yeah, for sure. Mostly what I try to do more often than I end up doing is is accessorize. Mm-hmm. Cuz that's like, you know, that final finishing touch and usually I'm already in the car by that point where I'm like, "Oh, I meant to get these earrings. earrings. The yeah. earrings. <laughs> the missing link." Oh god, you know it helps with that. My jewelry organizer. Have mm, you seen it in real no. life? Matt made it for me oh, on yes, Mother's yes, Day. Yes. It looks as if it's in a store and you are there to buy it. So displaying it properly makes you want to wear it. So I stand in front of my jewelry organizer and I'm like, what is it today, earrings? Speak to me. Chunky necklace, are you going to come out to play? So good. What about you, bracelets? That's so good. Am I going to go big? Um, do you set aside time to be creative on your own? You've talked about needing gentle pushes to manage time. Yes, that's very true. And I apologize I if I'm relentless about uh, turnaround time for the podcast. Oh, no, no. Um, no, I, I do need pushes for sure to get something done and just to keep my priorities straight. But I think creatively I have a, a really bad habit of just sitting on the couch. But I think I'm, I'm trying to think of what my brain was like before I was in the throes of Motherhood. Motherhood, because now I'm like, if I have a spare five minutes, I'm going to sleep, you assholes. <laughs> I'm going to sleep. Um, yeah, I guess I, I think I should, and I, I'm, therapy is, is prodding me toward taking more time, more focused time, intentional time for myself, and letting that shape itself. But no, I don't take time. I want to, and I hope that's enough. You're really good about being, I won't say militant. But you get those Friday nights. I'm maniacal about it. Oh, that's so good. I, I have to have my days off or I'm going to go insane. Mm-hmm. I need to, <laughs> like, I see strangers all week long. I manage, Matt helps, does most of it. Matt manages and I hang out. <laughs> I have 14 employees. So I'm, I'm just engaging with people constantly. And so when I get... My Friday nights, I don't have to be that persona, that like perfect persona that doesn't make mistakes. Um, and so when I get to do art or now with these podcasts, I either I'm forcing myself to hang out with my friends and talk about something lovely like art um, or what it used to be was I would just come out into this office and sit in a room where there wasn't stimulation. So like I could just sit and like, you know, recenter and then maybe watch some Riverdale to like catch up on it, you know. Do you feel like you have a menu of things that you want to do always present in your mind? Or do you have to go and look into a pile of things that you have going and actually visually see them? It depends on if I have some 
overall project that I know is taking my attention. So it's been a little different since we've been podcasting. I kind of did have a list. So I'll look at my I'll look at my stash of fabric on the shelf over there and I'll just kind of get inspired by it. But I'll just have a pile of clothes, you know, that just either need mending or altering and I'll just have an urge to wear it one day mm, and then so that that'll helps. that'll push me into doing it. So Um, Do you do anything for exercise creatively? While in grad school, I had this VizCom class, and our homework every week was to do 10 of something. Go draw 10 leaves in movement. Go paint 10 versions of this creek from different perspectives. Uh, And at first, those first one, two, three, you're like a little bit cautious, and it's a little bit too precious. And when you know you have 10 of them, you just kind of start moving through them. And you get to the point where you're like, oh, okay, it is practice. I am exercising a muscle. This feels really good to just do this all the time. And so I haven't done that in a long time, but I still keep this stack of watercolor paper that is white and clean and ready to be painted on. And I used to take it on trips and just kind of go at it. So I used to. I don't anymore. That's so good. And, you know, I think creatively a great way to exercise is I'll use this one book that is pretty well known. It's called um, The Artist's Way mm-hmm. by Julia Cameron, and it was part of one of my uh, curriculums in freshman year, I think. And we were meant to follow along with the book, and every week there was a new assignment. But daily, you were meant to free write somewhat stream of consciousness just for like three straight pages. You fill up three pages, and then you come up for air. There's like you wake up and you do it every day. And it means you get to do a brain dump right away. You mm-hmm. get to, you can write about your dreams, you can write about your dog, you can write about whatever. And it was really good for me because, you know, it's visual. A lot of people are really visual and being able to see stuff flow out of your hand, you can throw it away, you can be done. Mm-hmm. And you have a fresh slate every day. Do you still do it? No, I don't <laughs> exercise my brain. Oh, no. no, I started going to the gym instead. Um, I want to know if you have like a greatest masterpiece so far oh the charcoal drawing of the dogs that I told John about I should take a picture and you put should. it on the blog and these post. dogs they look real enough to pet is that what you do with the yeah. dog <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to tell our listeners that we have a blog post for every episode um, we're also on Twitter and Instagram and we want to ask questions every week so that we can get feedback from people and then talk about it in the episodes. Yeah. And if you have a picture of your personal workspace and maybe it's a total disaster or if it's like really pristine, we'd love to see it. Yeah. Tag chatty crafties on Twitter or Instagram. And, you know, I think it's a good moment. I would like to issue some homework, not to you, to our listeners, to anybody. If maybe you're not listening to this and someone just gives you this homework, it came from us. Yeah. Um, I think you should choose one or both. I think you should go and make 10 of something this week. Yes. Make 10. Or start doing morning pages where you just roll out of bed, jot it all down. Three pages nonstop. Bad handwriting. Go crazy. Flex that muscle. Okay, so I've got a question of the week. Um, Do you go back and read, listen to, or watch any of your past work? (laughs) you can go back and read something from the first half of your life and think oh honey you know you can you look at that person as a character but if it's from the last five or ten years you're like 
please burn this. Please, <laughs> if I die, Lord. And, like, you know, you leave a note for your mom or something that says, Never please read that. don't get in this. <laughs> it's bad in here. But then think about when you're 90 and you find your journals from when you were 37. Magic. And then you're like, oh, sweet, sweet child. Yeah, sweet and then you die. Thing. And then right away. Should we do our titles? Yeah. Hey, the time has come. Yeah. And for our listeners to know, this is, it might seem easy when we're asking our guests what their, oh, when we ask our guests, if you were to give yourself a title for your crafting identity, what would your title be? Um, it's hard to come up with these. It is. It takes days, days and weeks. And we give them homework before they come in. Um, so I thought about this all day. I was swimming and did 25 laps and came up with mine. Manic maker. Mm. I, I get manic, y'all. And then I dive in and come up for air afterwards. What about you? What is your crafting title? Well, I, um, I learned recently about the word bricolage. Yes. Bricolage, for anyone who's interested, Ooh, is defined as such. It. Bricolage in art or literature. Construction or creation from a diverse range of available things. Or something constructed or created from a diverse range of available things. <laughs> and so someone who engages in bricolage makes use of everything that's, you know, the whole buffalo. Walking into a space and seeing everything that is maybe in some manner of chaos. I don't think about going out to buy something to fix it or to incorporate it all. I just see it on. I'm like, oh, I'm going to start putting things in, in their homes the way I see it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring this space into harmony. So I would be a harmonizer. Yes, you would. Let's wrap it up. Okay. Well, thanks, Amber. This was fun. It was okay. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, Jill. Yeah. And thanks to our listeners. And we hope you'll stay tuned for more episodes of Chatty, Chatty Crafties. Crafties. Xylophone, ukulele, and this episode, produced by me, Amber Moreno. All episodes in this series, hosted and passionately powered by the manic energy of Angelica Norton, right here at Open Envelope Studio. Our intro music is by Berm and Swale. Find him on Facebook. And if you have opinions about what we're doing and who we're doing it with, mosey on over to chattycrafties.com. You'll find pictures, links, and more behind every episode. Thanks for listening. Now please, go do your homework. <laughs>